The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. All right, so the Western States 100, we have the exclusive first interview of the ninth male finisher, M9. M9 for the 2022 Western States. We've got them exclusively uh, from the, the Rabbit race team, from Ultra, and more importantly, the Adventure Jogger race team. Kyle Curtin is joining us on this very special edition of the Adventure Jogger. What's up, Kyle? You say joining like you haven't been here all weekend. You've been hanging out since Friday. <laughs> Might have been a couple days. This, this is the hardest interview to book ever. You know, it's like, hey, I know you're staying in the room right next to me. Can we make this happen? But here we are, like, um, not even a full day past crossing the finish line at Western States. And good Lord, what an adventure that was. Yeah, it was a really tough day out there. A lot of carnage. I think that's one of the highest dropout rates in the last 20 years. And man, the elite field for the men just got crushed. It was hot. Holy cow, is it hot? And I, it, you know, I was just sitting on the side waiting for you. As a runner, holy crap, that was a lot of heat. Were you expecting that much heat? Yeah, I knew it'd be, if not the hottest year on record, way up there. They said it was 106 at the river, but I don't think that was the hottest point on course, at least for me. Going through the canyons, it was like you'd come around a corner, get the southern face, and it'd just be like opening an oven. But uh, yeah, I was running with like five pounds of ice in my pack the whole day. So. <laughs> they said that they made like a tweet. They said that um, they had bought five pounds of ice for every runner for every aid station. There were five pounds of Kyle Curtin ice. Yeah, basically yeah, a pound of ice per runner per mile. And uh, yeah, the, the aid station workers at Devil's Thumb are like, all right, that's enough, buddy. You don't need that much ice. Like, no, this is, this is what I'm doing today, dude. <laughs> The, so what what percentage of that ice do you think actually melted before it was ever utilized? Yeah, did they take that into account? How much yeah. of Kyle's ice melted before he got it? I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> well, let's go from the start. Um, this was something you were brought in um, off the wait list like a couple months ago. Yeah, I knew I was going to get in, though. I was like 16th on the wait list, and they've always gone that far. So I, I knew I wasn't in yet, but that's how you get bib number 387 or something. <laughs> yeah. Which is so funny because in the race, there's like this, there's like bib uh, priority, right? So if you've got those single-digit bibs, everybody treats you like gold. Your bib is kind of a trash bib. It seemed like you, you got a couple of comments. So, no, yeah, nobody requests 387. That's, <laughs> it's like, that's oh, an easy oh, one to get it, if you want. <laughs> but didn't someone tell you, like, you're doing pretty good for someone with a bib that high? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, a high bib number to be coming in here so early. What happened to you? What are you doing? <laughs> so, knowing, it's, I've always wondered when you got these waitlist races, like, there's a lot of training that goes into a, a, a race like Western States. Especially when you don't race for a year, yeah. No, yeah, because you the last race you did was UTMB. 22 months ago, yeah. God, that's crazy to think that 22 months of no racing. You could definitely feel that at the start line. A lot of people that hadn't raced in a very long time 
we're very happy to be racing again. A lot of nervous energy there at the start. Yeah, it's exciting. It's kind of weird because the start at Western States, you're on like this patio. A ski area. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, not, not quite in Tennessee. Yeah, I don't think you call it a patio here. They have some bougie term i'm sure it's a veranda well let's kind of let's kind of let's kind of go through the race here and we have uh different crew members of the adventure jogger race team which by the way apparently we did get some some love uh from the the, the live stream as long as they're not hating us for breaking that one car per crew team rule <laughs> violated that in spades <laughs> We were like, one car per person. We may have had the biggest crew at Western States. But let's kind of kind of go through, Kyle, your day. Let's start at the start. Gun goes off. Give Get us that first section. Get into a nice walk going up that escarpment. It's something like six, 700 feet a mile. That's, that's walking grade for me. I don't run that. We talked to Andy Jones Wilkins though, and he was like, Kyle, you're gonna have to run that. Yeah, let's let's keep a tally here going of like what Andy said to do and what I didn't do. That's number <laughs> one. If you wanna be in the top 10, you gotta run up the escarpment. Right, well, we'll come back to that. How many, what's the number of lies he was told, you know? Oh, I'm the, sure that the, theme will be prevalent in this podcast. <laughs> you got to do X, Y, or Z. Essentially, Kyle got some misinformation later in the race. Perhaps. But we'll, but we'll get to that. So, so you got the legendary escarpment. You're walking this thing. Yeah, I ran flats, but everything that was anywhere near steep, yeah, just hiking up. Doing That's my thing. jam. Um, yes, I think I got to the top of the escarpment. Uh, still, maybe 40, 50th place, something like that. Mm -hmm. Probably not too far back, anyway. And... Uh, Kind of got caught in no man's land right away. I really like was hoping to run with people for the first part of the race and like chatted up and just kind of enjoy the day. But and everybody was avoiding me. I, I tried to hang with a couple chicks and they were uh, they were moving faster than I wanted to go. And and then I just I didn't see many people for the first 20 miles. And uh, yeah, because when you rolled in at Duncan Canyon, which is the first time you can see your crew, that's a, that's a second that's a second or third aid station. Third, yeah. Overall in the race, but the first time you can see your crew. You were 35th place? Yeah, that's about what I was at the top of the escarpment. I don't think I passed many people, maybe just a handful. So maybe 40th at the top of the escarpment. So that first part of the race before you see a crew, pretty easy going, pretty just mm. saving yourself for later on? Um, it's a it's kind of rocky technical trail up there, which ended up being like the whole first two thirds of the race, just like a little bit rocky. And I don't know, I'm sure there were great views. Like looking over the sunrise at Tahoe was sweet, but. Um, for the rest of the time, I was just looking at the ground six feet in front of me. And, uh, <laughs> I, I love in trail and people are like, that's a really beautiful course. You're really only going to see four or five feet in front of you. Yeah, like, I wouldn't know. I didn't see any of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. You go through the high country starting out. You get up to, I don't know what it is, like 9,000 feet and kind of cruise along some ridge lines up there. And that's definitely my favorite kind of running. You do that. You roll into the aid station. You see your crew for the first time at Duncan Canyon. It's a big aid station. It's kind of a party atmosphere, but I don't even know if you even saw that. No, it's tunnel vision. I just saw you and Jeff sitting there with a uh, a unicorn bandana and a vest for me. That's <laughs> yeah. That's all I had. Um, yeah, and the carnage kind of started right after that. That's when I started seeing, you know, Patrick Regan just cramping up and just walking along, and just a lot of people starting to feel the heat of the day pretty early. So you move on from Duncan Canyon to Robinson Flat. That section's a lot of downhill, isn't it? Yeah, um, I mean, definitely net downhill, but a lot of rollers in there that, I mean, 
it's a lot of punchy ups and downs. So it's like I was still hiking a lot of this little steep 100, 200 feet up at a time. And then it's like not cruiser downhill. It's, it's very technical and just like a lot of loose stuff, especially in that high country area. Was the course what you expected? It was tougher than I thought for sure. Um, it was as hot as I thought, but um, it's less runnable. I thought like the times people regularly run there, it seemed like, oh, this should be just buffed out trail and this should be pretty fast. But a lot of really technical stuff. It's crazy how many people talk about Western States being easy because it's a net downhill course. And you may have heard those, read those race reports, but man, seeing the trail and you're right, seeing how gnarly and technical it is in some sections. I mean, there are some, some sections that are more buffed out than others, but you get to Robinson Flat, you see the, the uh, part two of your crew because mm-hmm. they split your crew up into two because you really can't make it from, yeah, it, is right. a, it is a two and a half hour to three hour yeah, it's drive. Yeah, a haul, definitely a haul. From the start to Duncan Canyon where we saw you, Christina nearly threw up because it is the windiest road you've ever driven on. It's Miss was it Mosquito Ridge Road? Yeah. Yeah. It is What a terrible name. <laughs> no, because we had to go out and pee off the side of the mountain because you're on that road forever. Mosquitoes everywhere. Appropriately Aptly. named. Yeah. Aptly named Mosquito Ridge Road. But it is just you can't get anywhere. And so they yeah. split your crew up into two because there's no way in heck you're gonna get from Duncan Canyon to Robinson Flat in enough time to see your runner. So you're in and out again. You see, you see the guys at, mm-hmm. at Robinson Flat. Yeah, we tried handhelds for that next section. It's going to be short and downhill sections. That, that next spot, Miller Miller's Defeat Aid Station, was the next spot. Andy Jones said, you don't need to stop there. You can just keep going. Blow by that aid station. Yeah. And 106-degree uh, weather. I'm not blowing by that aid station. <laughs> I'm picking up my pound a mile, pound of ice per mile. And, I'm getting my ice. And uh, moving on. Strike two, Andy. <laughs> Those of you keeping a score at home, we got two. Strike two on that one. Um, and then that, that's where kind of where the canyons start, right? After, uh, not after, was it? I can't remember. It's okay. No one's going to like, like, you can say the next thing. Nobody's going to yeah, know. Yeah, I baked my brain out. <laughs> Is it t- last chance or devil's thumb, right? Mm, um, I don't, did it start right there? The can- I thought there I'm might asking be something. you, you ran it. I just saw you every couple yeah, hours. That was in a blur. Um, but yeah, the canyons is the next major section, and that was definitely the the hot part of the day. Was Andy and, right about the canyons? Um, the only thing I would say is wrong on that is... Uh, is this strike three coming up? I don't know. Well, I don't think it's a big, big deal, but coming into Michigan Bluff, yeah. he said, like, the bottoms of the canes are really steep. It was a almost 1,000-foot mile coming out of that first one. But he said, you can run the second half, and you should run the second half of that. And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's that was a maybe. still, like, a 16, 17-minute mile. That's not yeah. a whole lot of running on that. That's a maybe. Story. All right. Well, Michigan Bluff is another one of those aid stations where you can see your crew. Yeah. And it had been a while since you've seen anybody because Robinson Flat's about 30 miles into the game. Um, you get to Michigan Bluff, you're about 55 miles into the game. Yeah, I think I was there a whole lot earlier than uh, Patrick and Travis expected. Did you, they, did you take your crew by surprise? They were, I thought they would be at the end of Bath Road like you're allowed to do. Right. And uh, they were just starting their cruise down there. Oh, that's Forest Hill. Yeah, that was Forest Hill. <laughs> Michigan Bluff was the one before that with the big town that you rolled into. You pull yeah. out of the canyons and then you saw, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, no, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was the, that's the aid station that I got amp juice splashing my eyeball. Yeah. Putting some lotion on my legs and 
and Jeff got aggressive with pouring water on me <laughs> and it splashed in my hands Oops. and exploded in my face. It's like, ah! But it's funny because before that, you get to see us at Dusty Corners and that and that's 38-ish. You got to see your crew again. And that's when you were starting to really pick people off because we had this problem where we would expect you to be by people and then all of a sudden they'd announce you and we would be we would be like you'd be about 10 minutes before we thought you'd get there see that's surprising because at least the splits that i gave you guys i was way behind those right from the start i mean like halfway through the race i was an hour off the pace i thought i was going to run and we were just kind of going by people around you because you're kind of kind of rolling with the day obviously we we shouldn't have done that it worked it worked all all all, all in the end it it worked out really good you roll into michigan bluff you know you're you're doing you're doing good there. You see your crew, and then then Forest Hill. Which can I tell a Forest Hill story really quick? <clears throat> Here we We're go. Sitting at Forest Hill. This may be the story of the Western States Adventure Jogger experience. We're sitting at Forest Hill, and there's an older gentleman. <clears throat> gentleman. Not me. Not not Jeff Stafford, but Jeff Stafford's age. He is an old older gentleman. He is. Yes. He's a senior citizen. We're trying to take an advantage of his senior discount places, right. but California doesn't offer a whole lot of senior discounts. I have to edit out that little coffee doodle. It's a lot of dust in this area. You'll, anyway, you'll edit that out, but not the embarrassing shit I say? No, no, that, that'll all stay in. Um, so anyway, so next to us, there's this older gentleman, and he asks us, hey, do you have a signal? And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah we, got, we got data. He goes, I need to check on the runners behind my boy. And I'm like, behind you? At this point, the only person that had come through Forest Hill was Jim Walmsley. And he was 55 minutes ahead of second place. So I'm like, are you Jim Walmsley's dad? He's like, yeah, Harry Walmsley, nice to meet you. And so I, I, I showed him how to download the app, the Western States app on his phone. And then I said to him, I said, hey, you probably don't need to go through the trouble of setting up a favorites for your son because he just click on the men, he's number one. Just follow him that way. You don't even need to set the favorites. You, you know, I'm disappointed because you wouldn't even help me set up my Silver Singles account on my phone. So I'm no, just not saying. At all. I figured you could figure that out yourself. <clears throat> I, so yeah, Walsley's dad is like, hey, can you set this up? I'm like, of course. And the best thing, I will say this. Jim Walmsley's dad is the nicest person you'll ever meet. He is. Yeah, he's, he's very, very nice proud of his boy. But as he's leaving, he rolls down his window and says to me, Hey, do you think they forgot to tell the other runners that the race was today? <laughs> oh, God, man. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but Forest Hill, that's when, again, that was a situation where, well, Kyle should be here in the next 20 minutes. Kyle's here in five minutes. Pew! Like you were flat, like you were picking up steam as you kept rolling along the course. I think just in that one aid station, there's just a lot of. A lot of people dying at that aid station. I think I went from the mid-20s to 12th place. Yeah. When you, as, as you're going down Cal Street, you see us again. You're going down Cal Street. And then you're starting to pick people off. And then it starts to get really competitive once you get to the river. And you get to the river. You're in 12th place, you find out, mm-hmm. when you cross the river. And that there's two people ahead of you. I think I saw the one guy mm-hmm. at the river at the aid station and uh, just was in and out of the aid station real quick and uh, sat in the river for a while trying to cool off. And the water wasn't that cold. It was like I wasn't cooling off in the water. And uh, eventually got out and started uh, doing a walk jog up to Greengate, just uh, like a mile and a half, but up this 
pretty steep Jeep road. Dirt road, yep. And Jeff actually went down there to meet you at, yeah. at the river. Yeah, and I told him at that point where he was where he was placement wise, and I said, "Hey, sixth place, which is the first person we saw when we got to that aid station at the top mm-hmm. of the hill, was." almost exactly an hour, hour and five ahead at that point. So there was a pretty big gap you had to make up there and you built up some of that. So it's this climb, you're climbing out. Your first pacer, by the way, was a guy named Patrick who was sitting on the couch behind us. Maybe we'll get him in this podcast, maybe we won't. But you guys run through the, the whole Cal Street section from Forest Hill to Rucky Chucky, you're flying. You're picking people off, pick you up at the river. It's tw- you're in 12th place. At some point, 12th place male, at some point, you pass 11th place. Yeah. And then, at the aid station, Max King at this point is in 10th place. And he rolls into the aid station at Greengate about five minutes ahead of you. But by the time you roll in there, he's still sitting down. I got all that and some sweet whispers from Travis in my ears. Like, hey, dude, look strong through here and start running out of here. Max King's done. You just gotta, you just gotta look strong, dude. And uh, at that point, but your goal—I mean, your goal was top ten. That's right. And we were looking at the splits, and it was crazy because you kept moving forward, but we just didn't know: do we have enough time? Is there enough time for for Kyle to catch these people? Because there was—I mean, there was some time when it was an hour and a half gap between you and guys that were in the top ten. But right at Greengate. That's when you hit your goal, right? You've got, at that point, 21 miles to go to the finish, and you just popped into 10th place. What did it feel like as you're running up that hill, up to Greengate, that now, holy shit, I'm in 10th place at the Western States 100? I picked up my pacer Whitner after that, and I think pretty early on into this run, into our section going together. So, I mean, this is a lifelong dream of, of ultra running. It's top 10 in Western States. I'm there right now. I just gotta not get past. Is that, do you do you run then? Are you, are you running scared at that point of every sound behind you? Or are you? There are no sounds behind me. Me and Whitner were moving. First 10 miles of our 14 mile section. I think we were doing something like 9.30 pace or so yeah. on this, this roller stuff. Get that mic in, sit, sit in that. Grab that seat over there, Whitner. Let's get you in. Let's Come on down. This. Get some of that action. Whitner Chase, everybody, is making his podcast debut. Whitner, how the hell do you know this guy? Oh, we met up in Durango, Colorado. Okay, so you guys were Durangatangs. What is the running community like in Durango? If we can take a pause for a moment. Well, there's nothing like it. I mean, like we've got five people here who are part of the running community in Durango all just coming out to cheer on Kyle and we had two other Durango tanks out here um, pacing, pacing someone from out of state but they were very much a part of cheering on Kyle and, um, and driving me out here yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah because there's that piece right? because what a week before Western States your van takes a shit yeah apparently uh, Ram Pro Masters are actually Fiat Ducatos with uh, a rebranding and Nobody, uh, there's no mechanic in the Durango area who'll touch that piece of garbage. So I'd have it towed down in New Mexico and it's still not fixed. It's so, uh, still, still free of a vehicle as of now. So you had to hitch a ride. That's right. You had to hitch a ride from Durango, Colorado. All the to, way through Utah. To Reno, across, Nevada. Across Nevada and into uh, Reno oh. to meet up with you guys on Thursday. From, from Whitner's ex-girlfriend. 
Liz in the Wild. Yeah. She's a stellar ultra runner herself. So we get this call like, hey, there's my buddy Whitner's flying into Reno. You guys mind driving him to Tahoe? Yeah, I was going to pick him up back when I had a vehicle. Yeah, but we'd never seen Whitner before. Had no we, idea. We don't know this guy. We're and just... I'd, I'd never heard of Adventure Jogger. <laughs> <laughs> That's changing after this weekend. Absolutely. That's right. I gave you that shirt. You got to listen to at least a couple episodes. <clears throat> yeah. But anyway, so we're like, okay. And so this Whitner guy's like, hey, can I get into your hotel early? Uh, you know, because you don't want to sit. You don't want to sit at the Reno airport because your flight landed at 1030. In the morning on Wednesday, our flight came in 1030 in the evening. Night, yeah. You'd be sitting literally in the airport for 12 hours, waiting for three people you've never met. Not a whole lot to do in the Reno airport either. No, you're like Gamble. There's $20 hamburgers there. <laughs> you get $20 hamburgers and you got gambling. So all of a sudden, we roll into the, to the hotel and, and, and we got this guy we've never met before. Uh, staying in the hotel you got to sleep with Jeff Stafford in the same bed that was special yeah like you know this guy for a grand total of 10 minutes and you're sleeping next to this strange old man but you know what neither of us blinked (laughs) (laughs) that'd be a great night of sleep yeah (laughs) but that's isn't that the great thing about ultra running though because what other sport you guys aren't running at all how are you relating that to ultra you picked him up at the airport and then slept with him there's lots of people who do that. Now, hold on a minute there. That's, That's called <laughs> prostitution. Uh, no, no, no. What I mean is, what other community do you have where it's like, hey, can you pick up this rando and, and let him crash with you? And it's, and it's not weird. Like, no one blinks an eye. Like, I'm sure at some point you're like, I don't, Kyle, tell me a little bit about these, these uh, three weirdos coming in from Tennessee. What's going on with that? <laughs> exactly. But, but no, to have just that whole thing kind of happen was pretty, I think it's pretty cool. What other community does that happen in? You really want to know? Yeah, yeah. All of them? Are you saying all of them? <laughs> but no, so... I think it's a testament to the strength of our crew. You know, we were a very cohesive group. We really were. And I think the crew, because the crew is made up of, of people from Tennessee. You got Stafford, myself, and the Esterbees, and Christina. And then you brought folks you knew from, Durang, uh, from Durango, Whitner, uh, Jordan. You also brought Patrick, Patrick. And, and his wife. And so... It was two groups of people that have never met before. But it seems like we went out, there's this very expensive restaurant in, in Squaw Valley where we stayed, Olympic Valley, called Rock. Eight dollar Coors Lights. Eight Rocker. Coors Light for eight dollars. Eight dollar Coors Light, $20 hamburgers. Just, just to give you a little perspective on that. In Tennessee, I can get a six pack of tall boy PBRs for six dollars and twenty cents. Exactly. We're paying eight bucks for a Coors Light. Eight. That's not Colorado prices, is it? No Blue Mountains on that though. <laughs> so, so really, the, the the crew kind of bonded at the end of dinner when we'd had a couple of drinks and we started sharing stories about the last time we shit our pants. That was really <laughs> when the crew went from. People from Durango and people from Tennessee into a cohesive unit. It's like, you shit your pants? Oh, I did too! Exactly. Whitner, was that the moment you thought, like, this is, this is, the, this is when the team is finally gelled? Yeah, you know, it, it's hard to say until you're out there working together. But, you know, it definitely seemed like uh, it was, a, it was a, 
bonding experience that we all needed. So showing some vulnerability <laughs> and that really uh, allows you to create a new relationship. Absolutely, absolutely. So the team kind of kind of works together. We busting our ass to kind of get you in and out. I, I really want to, when the stats are released, I really am curious about your aid station time because there was a lot of times you were in and out in less than a minute, which I think makes a huge difference. In when there's race, 20 like, aid stations, that's oh, a crazy God. amount. Exactly. And, so, and psychologically too, on a day like yesterday, I oh, mean, yeah. Like, however long it takes to pack a vest full of ice, that's how long it took, and that was it. A lot of these people who drop, you know, maybe weren't thinking to drop it until they walked into the aid station, sat down for a little bit, and well, then you can't drop unless you're at an aid station. If you spend minimal time there, right? There's no, there's no time to drop. Whitner, you pick up Kyle at Greengate. Back Kyle, to the race. Back to we want to go back to the race. <laughs> back we, to the yeah, race. Back to the race. <laughs> right. This is important stuff. Enough about pooping yourself. Enough about pooping. We'll get back to that in a minute. So, Whitner, you pick him up. He's just passed Max King. He's in 10th place now. It's kind of fun. I mean, it's a, it's a really, I mean, crewing is a fun experience regardless. But when your athlete is moving up the rankings, it's a completely different experience. He felt good. I mean, I think we were pretty confident leaving, leaving that aid station. As a pacer, some, like when, you're, when you're pacing and, you're, and your person's just trying to complete a race, it's your job to keep them moving, keep them going. But when, you're, when your runner is moving through the ranks, I mean, that's, you're, you're like pumped as a pacer. Yeah. Oh, Winner Win was nervous. I, I think I intimidated him a bit. So I'm like, you better know this route. I don't want to be looking at Max. <laughs> well, yeah. You had two headlamps, Whitner. <laughs> two. Because the backstory is I wasn't supposed to pace yesterday. You worked. But Travis yeah. came down with some sort of... He's uh, coughing up his lungs. He's coughing up his lungs. It was crazy. So, I thought I was going to have Travis, who knew the section well from when he ran Western States. Uh, it's like, Travis knows this. Uh, he's got it. We had to make a last-minute adjustment. Swap out a Whitner in there. Exactly. And so he's telling you, get your shit together, Whitner. You better know every climb and every descent. I studied up. I was. I was. You're just sitting there, man. You look at that course thing, and you're like checking every single up and every single down. You're intimidated at this point. He, he ended up quizzing me on it a little bit. Really? Like, oh. just, just making sure. What, what's the next I climb? Bullshit me. How far to the next aid station, Whitner? What's that? What's that elevation profile look like? Which was good to know, given that we were racing at that point. Exactly. That's got to be cool as a pacer that you're you're racing at this point. You yeah. know, like, and you've got people moving behind you. You've got people ahead of you to pick off. Where you're you're hunting. It's a, it's a different mentality. And I mean, it's just got to be like the adrenaline for you as a pacer has got to be through the roof. Yeah. Well, we can get to your experience as a pacer later on. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> oh, it's coming. All right. Working through that section with Whitner, and you guys are moving quick, and you're picking people off. Well, a bunch of chicks. Yeah. There were no dudes anywhere near me for a long, long time through there. So every time we'd come around a corner, we'd see some headlamps or see some movement off in the distance, and be like, all right, who's that coming up? Every time. is. Female number eight, female yeah. number seven. But still, you're passing people. It feels good to pass people. And it feels good. It doesn't make a difference in the race. But no, for but a I, while. I think with this, with this Western States, it was such a stacked female lineup. It was. They crushed. Oh, my God. They embarrassed the men out there. Oh, yeah. my God. It was incredible. That was a fun race to watch. Because, Whitner, we're, we're rolling in those aid stations. We're one of the first people there. There's like 10 people ahead of us. And just to see that race unfold in front of us was so much fun. Oh, it must be nice to know where people are during the race. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. 
By the way, uh, Jim Walmsley's dad uh, texted me and said, hey, if you get any pictures of my boy, send them to me. And I said, Mr. Walmsley, I think my runner's so far back from your son, I won't see him at all for the rest of the day. But I did find some people that had taken some pictures of him on the course, so I did. There, there's a couple out there, huh? There's a couple out there that got some, got some <laughs> this pictures. This guy Walmsley has some pictures. He's got some pictures of him, okay. so I was able to send those to his dad. He might be kind of a thing, I don't know. You're working your way through Whitner, though, and you're starting to pick people off. And your pacing section, you were from Greengate to Pointed Rocks, so you're going from 79 to, like, 94 is, is where you're going. Yeah, about... And you guys were moving, still moving pretty quick through this. Yeah, we finally uh, finally caught our, our M9 guy, who's Alex Nichols, uh, just a couple miles before we got into Pointed Rocks 8 Station. And, uh, I mean, that was, I think, the low point for me of the race, which wasn't that bad. I just kind of got complacent. I, uh, you know, I was in 10th all day and, like, yeah. worried about who would who would come up behind me and who was going to be gunning for that spot. You know, that's a target on your back. Mm-hmm. But then once I got into M9, I was like, okay, now I have a buffer zone. You know, I feel a little safe and put down some 17-minute miles hiking up some, some garbage terrain and yeah. and uh, just didn't feel good about the, those couple miles in there. But then you get to the final aid station where you can see your crew. That's right. It's Point of Rocks. Got a rub down from the wives. <laughs> and, uh, I think Luis Escobar got a great picture of that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, not your wife, my wife, and Travis Estrada's no, wife. wife. Get those, get those legs down with that amp gel. Yeah, I filled up uh, last time. I was using the vest, and uh, I knew we needed to move. Yeah, we were in and out of that pretty quick. You pick up at this point. You pick up. I pick up you. you and pick I, up me. Yeah, and I'm I, feeling like garbage. And I, I told you. All I can do is 9, 10, 11 minute miles on this downhill and like, stuff. Thank God. And then we got to walk the uphills. Yeah, and I'm like, thank God, because this man who's in the top 10 has asked a doughy middle-aged man <laughs> to pace him. And here we are. We're in ninth place at this point. We're running the last six point some odd miles into the finish. And I get a text from you, Mr. Whitner, on my phone that there is someone right on our ass. Well, it was Alex Nichols. He, he kind of came back a little bit. I mean, we passed him like 30, 30 minutes before we got to Pointed Rocks, and he, right. he rolled in about Those five minutes after Kyle left. Miles. That's only two miles ago. There were slow miles. He wasn't yeah. catching up. No, but he rolls into the... Like, we left. Kyle and I are doing this last section. Yep. We left, and then... But you see him coming in a couple minutes after us. He did. So I get this text, Alex Nichols in the aid station. He just left. He's six minutes behind you. Fuck. I'm running scared. But then another text comes. Whitner, what did you text me? <laughs> after, you, after you texted me that Alex Nichols was six minutes behind us. Pat Reagan pulling in 10 minutes behind Kyle. And I, at this point, I am like, no. <laughs> I hadn't seen Patrick Reagan since mile 28 when he was just dying on the side of the trail in the heat of the afternoon. No, but he's notorious. When he ran it, this first year he ran it, his splits from the river in were some of the fastest splits in course history. Yeah, you've been hyping him up all weekend. This is like almost a planned lie. Right. You guys were, so were seven minute it. miles, and here I am. 
thinking, oh my God, I got Alex Nichols behind us. I got Pat Reagan sprinting behind They're us. They're gunning for me. I'm M9. Those two guys pass me. I'm out. You're M11. You're M nothing at that point. Nobody cares about that. Exactly. You don't get in. You're, you don't get to come back to Western States unless you get you know in the lottery or you get a, a golden ticket. Well, another text comes literally seconds after you sent that Pat Reagan text. There was a false alarm, but I never saw the false alarm text. Who did you mix up Pat Reagan with, Whitner? Honestly, I don't know her name. <laughs> I, I want to make sure we get that gender pronoun in there. It was, it was yes. Patrick Reagan with the mustache and super hairy legs. Versus, <laughs> we're not sure which one of the top top ladies. Oh, oops. <laughs> we're gonna get you a chart next year, Whitner. Some flashcard, you know, like when you go to. When we invaded Iraq, we had some playing cards with like the famous faces on there. Right. So you're like, okay, this is what Saddam looks Here's like. Saddam. This is, these are the famous people you got to watch out for. We have Jeff Browning on there for you. <laughs> you didn't know what Jeff Browning looked you know like? Jim Walmsley in a bucket hat looks like? <laughs> His dad can send you some pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Busting on Whitner. New to the game. New to the game. So we're getting flashcards for winter next year so we can tell the difference between... I'm going to study the, the course profile and the competitors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this was a great place to get an education, though, because everyone was here. Everyone who's anybody, it seemed. That's, that's very true. That's very true. So the last seven miles, I'm running scared because here I am trying to make sure that Kyle you know, achieves his dream, right? And I don't want to get dropped because that's embarrassing. But I know that it's great... Great you know, mojo for you to drop your pacer. You like dropping That's pacers. his thing. When I picked up my pacer bib, I don't know who was handing them out, but he said, hey, who are you pacing? And I said, Kyle Curtin. He goes, oh, that dude likes to drop his pacers. That's I don't, a good reputation. I'm it is. That. Yeah. And I think that may be all from this podcast. I didn't drop Whitner. He's he's fast. No, Whitner. Whitner's came a right two twenty six marathoner. Whitner's I'm not dropping Whitner. Whitner's blazing fast, which was great that he came in because I was able to do some some recon, how you're doing, how you wanted to move, and, and then that sort of thing. But we passed No Hands Bridge, which oh, that's where the lies start, and you tell me I see a headlamp behind us. I people, did see a headlamp behind us. I swore I saw a headlamp. Behind it's the us. old people are making moves. They're coming up behind. Which you. I okay. Backstory on that, I have lied to Kyle in the past. Ozarks years ago, when Kyle set the course record, I told him that there were people making moves behind him yep. last nine miles, and they really weren't. They were three hours, but the, the closest competitor at that point was three hours behind him, but I knew he wanted the course record, so I wasn't specific, and I didn't say there's someone right behind you, but I did in fact say people were making moves. Do you think that was a truthful statement? Well, I'm sure they were at some point. I mean, people were making moves, but they were three hours behind you. You think St. Peter's going to accept that justification? <laughs> it's like, I, I hope so. Well, I really hope so. So the lies begin. We're crossing no That's the bridge. stage, yeah. Mile 96. The lies begin. And I, and I, I swear, I swear to God, I'm running scared at this point. Because I, I don't want to fuck this up. I don't want to get dropped. I don't want to fuck this up. And there's and I see. We're good. I, we hiked all the way up to Roby Point. We're we hiked up to Roby Point. You're amped. I was scared. Oh yeah, it was it was, it was rough, right? And so a steep, yeah, a steep climb up Roby Point. 
we get to mile 99 and there's the mayor of Auburn there, which I thought was Rick from Pawn Stars. Because we've been up all day and he kind of looks like Rick from Pawn Stars. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. He's going to be, you know, he's here. He's going to yeah. be appraising buckles at the finish line and offering people $5 for them. But no, it turned out to be the mayor of Auburn. We get welcomed into the city of Auburn. Your buddy Jordan's waiting there. College steeplechase superstar Jordan is waiting on you. That's right. And, and I got I, I to gotta admit, I, that's when I fell behind. That's when I got to be about 200 meters behind Kyle and Jordan. What distance qualifies as a drop for a pace? Is it one foot or is it? Knowing that I had a, a 900 lumen light belt and a 500 lumen headband that I was wearing, at what distance justifies dropping? I don't know if this is so much a science as an art, okay. but I, I think Jordan's vision of all this was he was amped. He was under the impression from the cruise lies that there was somebody hunting me down. Right, right. We gotta and go. So, so he looks back and rather than thinking it's my pacer, you're far enough back that he thinks you're the next runner closing okay. in. So Jordan, step step on up to me. This is college steeplechase superstar, Jordan Creamer, um, who ran for, for which? You gotta step up, you gotta get right, right on that band. All right, right. all right. What, what college did you run for, Jordan? Uh, North Central College, not a superstar, but North Central College D3 school in Naperville, Illinois. Steeplechase runner, you know, they're, they're pretty good. Sometimes they, they win Western States. <laughs> North Central College in Naperville, is is legendary for their steeplechase program aren't they i mean this is like people that love steeplechase they it's, go to north central steeple College people in Naperville, right the it's steeple a, people it's yeah. a distance school for sure so a lot of cross country track and field um al carius was our coach he's uh stepped back a little bit encountered some health issues and stuff great guy everybody should listen to everything he puts out there he's been coaching for 50 unlike years. andy don't listen to Andy. <laughs> great, great guy. North, but North Central, something like what, twelve-time national championships? Um, L in his history is one somewhere between uh, twenty-five and thirty national wow. championships. It's a, he's a big, he's a big deal. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, Jordan was coached by this, and this is using that info. Jordan, is it true that people aren't that aren't fast enough to run the eight hundred or or other distances? They stick in steeplechase. Like if you're just almost <laughs> fast enough, <laughs> put you in the steeplechase. Is that true? It, the steeplechase is for people who like a little bit of fun in their track race, you know, because otherwise you're just putting one foot in front of the other and running laps around a circle. Did you try hurdles and that didn't work? No, it's just, it's an interesting, it's a different twist on track and field, okay. you know? So, it's like trail running before you figure out yeah, it exists. Yeah, right. So, you know, you got the Jim Walmsleys and of the world who are- Are you saying the Jim Walmsley of college steeplechase? Oh, absolutely not. I'm saying Jim Walmsley is, was a steeplechaser and, you know, I think it translates pretty well for okay it so, does yeah at some point and i don't know if uh, during the during the time we spent together jordan um sharing a room meals yeah. you know hanging out i did not sleep with jordan no he i just want that to be on record right <laughs> now yeah. i believe in the state of california you yeah. and whitner are now married. right i think, I think you're probably right that's a, that's a law if you, if you sleep with somebody right. on the first night you're married. No, because we were in Nevada. I did not have no, relations with that man. No. <laughs> Whitner, you own half a Prius now. You own half, you own right. half a Prius. So that's that's part. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know if I, if I said something to piss you off, Jordan, or if you were buying into the lies that Whitner was telling. 
but you're waiting for us up at the top of, of Roby Point. Ready to hammer. Ready to freaking <laughs> hammer. Was the hammer, I'm going to show this middle-aged man uh, my dad, who's my dad's age what running's all about, or were you truly scared of Whitner's lies that Alex Nichols and Pat Reagan were three seconds behind us? So I, I hadn't heard Whitner's lies, quote unquote. Um, but what I had heard is that the only text I saw is that Alex Nichols uh, coming through whatever eight it was, pointed yeah. rocks, uh, with a second wind. And um, Kyle rolls in, you guys roll in, yeah. and there's a set of headlamps coming up the hill as we were kind of traversing that switchback. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm thinking that's probably Alex. Yeah. And so let's see if- Not the chicks we just passed. Right. Like five exactly. minutes ago. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. so, I mean, so like after having raced, you know, for a decent amount of time, like I recognized, okay, we got to climb because yeah. I'd walked out. You bet, yeah. And then we've got a long descent. And if Kyle can get to the top of that climb, grab some of that steam from the crowd because the crowd was awesome there. Pumped. Yeah, that the was, was there. Yeah, it was yeah. so cool. It was so Rick cool. Pawn Stars yeah. was there. Yeah. Ready to make us a deal. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, then, and then I figured, okay, if Kyle can get rolling down this downhill before, if that's Alex, he crests the hill then he's probably set in, so. You guys get moving, you leave old man behind. Which I want to point out, I was the fattest pacer by far in the top 10. I had solid 50 pounds in every one of those motherfuckers. Could you fit those neck bandanas around? Or? No, I couldn't, I couldn't wear one. They're tight. I will say Christina did make uh, Kyle custom ice bandanas in he's, three patterns. He's saving, he's saving Christina so he doesn't get his kids on. Uh, <laughs> there were three patterns. There were rainbow unicorns, there was bananas, and there was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Big hits all day. Huge, that was you know, the superstar. They were maybe a little small. We have to make them a little bigger for next year. Almost like children made them, and they were measuring their own necks. <laughs> and they decided how wide to make these bandanas. Are you saying Evelyn measured her own neck thinking this could be the well, size this is of perfect. Kyle's neck? This you're is the perfect. Same, your neck is the same size as a 14-year-old girl's. Is that what you're saying, Kyle? That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Jordan, you've you got Kyle the last mile, yeah. right? So we're going to push... We're in, we're we're because we're being hunted. We're being hunted at this point, thanks to Whitner's lies. And so <laughs> that sounds like a great movie, Whitner's lies. Whitner's lies. So, um, so at some point, you see lights behind. I saw lights behind me, mm -hmm. and Kyle. You saw lights behind you and Kyle, and your assumption is the old man that bought that burger for me at Rocker is dead. <laughs> he is on the side of the road. We will go get him at some point. Surely, those lights behind us must belong to either Alex Nichols or Patrick Reagan. So I'm thinking, here's what I'm thinking. Number one, I thought you were with us at this point. <laughs> number, number two, little yeah. did he know. <laughs> he just thought you were faster, right? <laughs> Number two. I want to point out, by the way, Kyle's last mile was six something. It was very fast, yeah. yeah he, so, dude, he was cruising, like running the uphills. It was so impressive at the end of 100. Um, I look back, it, there was a group of high schoolers or something yeah, so chasing us. Like, yeah, and that's what yeah. I thought. I thought it was someone else's crew, and there's nothing worse than getting past in the last mile of 100 after you just left it all out there, you know? So um, anyway, those kids joined us and ran with us for like the last... 
three quarters of a mile is actually pretty cool. So I was able to drop Ryan, but not some little kids. Is what you're saying? <laughs> Jordan. Yeah. Is 200 meters behind your runner technically? Is that far? a drop? Uh, I mean, could you see him? Still? I think I might I see. No, you weren't. No, you were just chilling. You know, you're just. You know, it's funny because I was getting people going like, "Oh, you're almost done. Good job, good job. Hey, hey, there's a guy right ahead of you." And I'd be like, "Yeah, it's my pacer. He dropped me." Yeah, we could hear you on the first half of the hill, but by the time we got down to the bottom, we couldn't hear your voice anymore. I was chilling. You know, he was I, chilling. I was, I was chilling. Ryan being the quiet person, you know. I was quiet. You know, that's how how it is. But there you go. You're, you're running through Auburn. And then you see the high school, right? And you start hearing the guy going, right, please welcome to Plaza High School. The big voice announcer, here you are in ninth place. The goal was to be top 10. Well, I thought I was eighth because of the confusion with Hayden Hawks okay. crew at that point. Yeah, there was a, so we'll go back to that for a second. There was some discussion. Uh, Hayden Hawks was disqualified for a very small portion of the race. When he got to Pointed Rocks, they, they disqualified him because his crew apparently had met him outside of an aid station. Not their fault. Not their he fault. He should not have been disqualified. No, no. There's the told, aid station right. workers who- The aid station workers told them to confuse their crew. Right. Yeah, to go, go get him. Go to a place you're not allowed right. and go pick up your runner who- Rightfully so, Hayden Hawks was reinstated and was given M8. Rightfully so. We didn't know so because when we were racing, we thought we were in eighth place because we, we didn't know what happened with Hayden Hawks. Rightfully so, he was reinstated. I think it's an honest mistake. I don't think his his crew would have never. Right. We saw them. Oh, I think right. they were livid about. Oh, they were. It. And you know what? The, those were guys that they were like, we would never do anything to jeopardize our runners' race. Right. And crews don't. They wouldn't do that unless you know they were told to do that. So rightfully so, Hayden Hawks is is reinstated. But you hit that track, you're nowhere to be seen. No, no. <laughs> I was to be seen if you would have looked behind you. <laughs> and I want it known that I reached the finish line. The same time Kyle reached the finish line. An extra 300 meters or so? Well, I cut out. I didn't go around the track. I cut out and went straight. He may have shaved the section. Because that's what, did you run it? Did you run around across it? Okay, you didn't do that either. No. So Jordan and I knew we're just the lowly pacers. We're not going to go uh, run the track. That's just, we weren't going to do that. We weren't going to wreck your day, your photo op. We weren't going to wreck your Luis Escobar photo op crossing the finish line, flexing your, your ripped not surely not dehydrated muscles they always look that way um so you just so I, I i arrived at the finish line the same time you did more or less plus or minus 30 take, 60 maybe, 90 seconds yeah, yeah to give or yeah. take a minute or so um just, to, just i just took a different way good thinking yeah yeah i, I didn't want to i didn't want to spoil your day you took the alternate listen route. i'm the host of a tertiary running podcast you gotta be there for the event well like cnn right but i didn't want people going oh there's that one guy from that one podcast that i listened to once and gave a two-star review on itunes why is he jiggling so much right what's going on what's what does, does he does he not work out because there's a lot of pudge there was that bandana supposed to go around his neck or exactly what, what, what is he doing exactly. with exactly what's he doing with the bandana um because you know what, what's going on here i didn't want to ruin your day and I, I wanted to put the spotlight on Kyle Curtin. That's so thoughtful. I know, because when you're the host of, of, of a podcast that... That's you know, what he does. It's you know. a fraction of the listeners that Trail Runner Nation gets on a week. You don't want to put the spotlight on you. Right? Good thinking. Yes, yeah, that's, that's what I did. Or maybe I just got dropped. We're going to let everybody just decide, decide on their own if that's the case. But crossing that finish line, 
How did that feel? A bit of relief. Um, I, I was done. I mean, everything hurt at that point. I was. And yeah, you know, it's a dream come true of, of trail running. I think it'll take a while for it to really set in, but um, I don't know. It was a stacked field today and, and uh, really just bad conditions as far as, oh, as running a hundred. I don't know, like if you're doing an FKT or something and you saw oh, 102 in Auburn, uh, right. maybe, maybe yeah. do it like, next God. weekend. Right, you skip that. <laughs> Jordan, watching your friend that you've known for years chase this down right the goal was top 10 and you're thinking on a great day that'd be great right that's an a goal we're thinking best case scenario best case 10. scenario that's, best case scenario that was the a goal right? like so many times we run races the a goal goes to shit and we're stuck to the b goal or the c goal and and here you are seeing your friend the guy that you know that you've that you've done runs with that you've you know, mm -hmm. done some incredible things with, you've bonded with over, over running. Mm -hmm. You're running him in and he's in ninth place at Western States, yeah. not ninth place at the local, you know, zippity doo hundred mile, but like, this is the granddaddy of them all. This is, this is a big deal as a crew member, as a pacer, who's witnessed the suffering all day long. And it becomes a team sport at that case. I mean, it's like, you really are a pit crew and it's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a team. Mm -hmm. How did that feel to bring your boy to the school? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, there's no way to describe it, right? Like, so I've done a lot with Kyle. I've yeah. suffered a lot with Kyle and watching- some stupid adventures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and watching him like, you know, I, I agreed, right? Like I going into this, I hadn't talked a whole lot with Kyle. I was thinking like, okay, top 10, best case scenario. Um, he runs his race. He slowly moves up exactly as he did. It's so rare that you want, like you have this plan, this plan A going into a race. It's so rare that you watch it play out exactly as you dream of it playing right, out. Right. And I felt that as he's coming in that yeah. just like dream come true feeling and then you know Whitner and I ushering him into the track and peeling off and watching him roll in it's like there's only probably 10 experiences in my racing career where I can say that I've watched a teammate like finish something that they've dedicated their life to yeah and have it finish exactly the way that they dreamt it might yeah is just like you can't achieve that feeling yourself like right. there's just some synergistic feeling that like you can't really describe unless you've experienced it it was it was really cool jeff sure. how would you describe it i'll tell you when he came up uh from the river we hiked up that's, the, a, that's a good good talk we had a good, good hike up good there. hike up there i was giving him splits on people that had been ahead of him i just had a i knew at that point based on just what he was exhibit <clears throat> exhibiting he had a real strong mind at that point and his he he was just he could have left me on the dust on that hill easily, but he said, I'm just going to take it easy and power walk most of this hill, which he did. Until we had some, uh, there were some, some Pacer members who uh, were coming down. I wanted to look strong. You know, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be M11 and be like, oh, you're, you're dude up there in M10 and looking soft. He's walking the whole way up. Now you got to jump. But anyways, yeah. at, at that point <laughs> in the race, uh, just the strength you were exhibiting, I'm like, he, he's an animal at this point. And I think I said, as he was leaving, Green Gate, I said, if he plays his cards right, 
he can finish this race 10th overall. And he damn near did that. Damn near. I mean, overall for the whole right. thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a re- I had a real strong sense of pride in him and his accomplishment. Great, great work, Kyle. Great. Thanks, Winter. Jeff. Switch places with Jordan there for a second. Get on mic number four. Whitner, you had a one hell of an adventure sleeping with some elderly dude, you know? I mean, you're pacing when you didn't think you had to. That's going to be in Whitner's lives, Pacing by the way. a cougar-heavy section as well. Exactly. There's actual cougars in there. Yeah. Like legitimate cougars. Um, you, weren't gonna, you weren't expecting to pace. You told the legendary lies that moved him faster. What was it like for you to, to watch the day progress, to see your friend you know, move fa- farther and farther up the field. Yeah, I, it was awesome. I mean, I, you know, have, have done a lot of running and adventures with Kyle over the years, but I actually have never seen him race before yesterday. And um, so I, I missed his Tahoe 200 victory. Yeah. Obviously was watching UTMB f- here from um, overseas. Yeah. And he was third place there. Yeah. Um, the third American there. And um, so it was awesome to like see him in action, you know, and to see that that cro- that finish line cross and just the celebration. I was wondering what he was gonna do, but I think uh, yeah, I think it was a good pose, good look. Well, Kyle, you got like 400 Instagram likes on that. Now. Yeah, he did. You got some serious Instagram of the uh, you know uppage on that, your followers. That's what I do it for, you know. It's all for the gram. It's all for the gram. Okay, so the question is. You are the new owner of the M9 bib. No, I think BMW or maybe uh, James Bond has some rights to that. You have the Western States M9. <laughs> there we go. You have the Western States M9. Are you going to use that bib? Or are you going to say, I'm one and done with Western States? No, I'll come back for sure. Oh, M9's a thing, buddy. Kyle Curtin's coming back to Western I, I States. You got to come back, yeah. What would you change? It took seven years to get into this I know. race. It's not like it's something you want to pass up. What would you change about your training? Or is that too early? Oh, I should be ask? faster. That's I should definitely work on being faster. You gotta get some track. I think the there? only reason that was able to happen is uh, just crazy carnage this year. So much heat. Um, yeah, you got to be able to run faster. All right, so we're gonna get some speed work in Kyle. Uh, we'll get him. We'll get him on some speed. Finally, I knew some track stars. Yeah, well, if only had a steeplechase champion as a friend who had all this knowledge from North Central College, they could pass on to you, but no. I really need, like, 30 national championships if I'm going to take advice, though. That's true. Yeah, you can't have that. You know, this is kind of an amateur. Yeah, so it's no big deal. Um, So the awards ceremony was just a couple of hours ago. And, you know, when you you called, it was actually New Year's Eve when you were over at the house. And we had done that beer mile, the vengeance beer mile, where you finally beat me after yeah, all those years. I think you and Esterby were all tuned up and- We were ready for you. <laughs> uh, which actually, what got, but when you said, hey guys, I'm on the waiting list for Western States. Um, I'm getting in. Right, I if, if, I, if I get in, it. would you guys come out? And we were like, hell's yeah. First of all, Kyle was drunk off his ass when he said that. You know what four beers do to me? Well, yeah, four beers. And Kyle's out of it. We're thinking, Kyle doesn't really want us out there. He's got a tiny neck, all right? He's got a tiny neck. Um, We're thinking, he's four beers in. He doesn't really want the old crew there. He needs steeplechase champions and 230 marathoners that that lie all the time on his crew. 
Um, he doesn't need the old, but, but when you said that, and I actually texted you again when you got in, and I said, you know, no, no pressure. You were drinking when you said that, but do you really want us out there? And it was, oh yeah, 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 come on out. I, in my wildest dreams, I was, boy, wouldn't it be great to see Kyle in the top 10? Wouldn't that be amazing? Knowing that, and then looked at the Are field. You trying to say you didn't have confidence? No, I had all the confidence in the world. Okay. But looking at the field, it was stacked. I mean, God, it was stacked. I mean, you looked at the elite field, and it's so funny because Kyle made page three of I Run Far's Western States preview as kind of a afterthought. Like, oh, there's this dark, Kyle Curtin dark guy horse. who ran a race once, and he may be a thing. And they and before the race, they call up all these people that you should know, right? They Your make potential front runners. Exactly. Here. They make this whole big thing out of this potential front runners. And as a homer, I was pissed that Kyle was not called on to the stage because I'm just, that's, that's how I roll. You know, I'm, I'm, You're the ultimate hype man. I'm the ultimate hype man. I'm like, I, I was going to go up to Craig Thornley and be like, what the fuck, dude? Curtin should be up there. But, but no, you, you weren't on anyone's list to be the dark horse. But when we're at that, that awards ceremony and they start calling up the top 10 men and the top 10 women to see you go up there, I would have been embarrassing. Right, this dude's won 11 of his last 12 ultra marathons in uh, Kyle last race two years ago. <laughs> right. was, was the third American at UCMB. But no one to see you up there with, with you know, uh, Jim Walmsley and, and shaking his hand and, and getting your, your buckle. And there you are, top 10. Man. I didn't limp like those guys. Yeah. Solid stride out there. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say to Winter right before he went up? Like, don't limp. Don't limp. You got to. Oh, yeah, that was our other crew member, Patrick. He said, "Stay strong. Yeah. You got to look strong." Yeah, no, no limping. But that, that to me was after you know having known you for all these years, and I know what you're capable of. But just seeing that all take place, I mean, th- that was that was incredible, an incredible sense of pride. That I was like, my God. Thanks, dude. Our guys up there at the front for Western our boys. States. What an incredible experience. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. Thank you to everybody who is uh, following us along on Instagram and, and Facebook and sending us all the good vibes. You got a lot of good vibes uh, coming through. So that oh, was- you could pass along false information, but not, not the good vibes. And get any of those at mile 96. Listen, Whitner didn't tell me any of that stuff. He was just feeding me lies. Which, by the way, Whitner, you got to come back next year. I'm already inviting you because we need your lies. We may need your lies at some point. We, we know it works. Just, <laughs> Whitner, just, just Whitner. tell Kyle that Pat Reagan is running four-minute miles <laughs> from Fool Auburn Lakes. Shame on you. <laughs> I fooled Fool you twice. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Adventure Jogger. And again, we appreciate all the love, all the support that was shown. Such a great time uh, in Olympic Valley all the way to Auburn. Quite an adventure, wasn't it, Jeff? It was indeed. Thanks for listening, everybody. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search The Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 